Oh. Great. I'm going to get right into the message tonight. I've been known to be as long-winded or possibly longer than Brother Holsclaw. And last time I was here, some of you realized that. They had to sit there, and then they come up behind me to tell me to end the teaching session. Nobody behind me tonight. <laughs> Praise the Lord. I'd like to deal with you on a subject tonight called the espoused and her protector. And I'll be dealing with several books and several chapters. So let me just give these off to you. If you have a pencil, you might want to take them down. When you get home, you look them over and see if I did anything wrong. And if I did, tell me tomorrow night and I'll correct it. In the book of Esther... We're going to be dealing quite a bit with chapter 2. And then I'm going to quote from the Song of Solomon, chapter 4, verses 1 through 7. I'm just going to quote one verse, but I want you to read all of that. And then Genesis 6, verses 1 through 7. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, Galatians chapter 5, Ephesians chapter 4 and 5, and James chapter 3 and 4. And I think that'll keep you busy till tomorrow night, and I'll give you some more. (laughs) No. (laughs) Praise the Lord. In the book of Esther, we find out that women's lib doesn't pay off because Vashti tried her best to be the first woman's liver and it got her dethroned, so to speak. It got her crown taken away from her. So ladies, be careful when you go out being a women's liver. Don't go too far out because if you refuse your husbands, there are some privileges taken away from you. Okay? In second chapter of Esther, no, first chapter of Esther, I'm going to just say that. Um, verse 12 in the first chapter says, But the queen Vashti refused to come at the king's command by his chamberlains, and therefore the king was very wrought, and his anger burned within him. Jumping down to the 15th verse, it says, And what shall we do unto the queen Vashti according to the law, because she hath not performed the commandments of the king Azarias by the chamberlains? And we can go ahead and read out the What the men were all afraid of is that if this lady got by with it, the rest of the ladies was going to try it, so they wanted her punished. And the greatest punishment she could have, they felt like, was to take away her her crown. And the king, he sent forth then. He made a decree. He sent forth and he called for all the fair young virgins. This is an old story, but I hope tonight that maybe we can get a few little golden nuggets that you hadn't thought about. When you realize that these girls had to be fair and to go over that whole kingdom that he had, it was a tremendous amount of, of, of space that had to be covered there. And there was a lot of young girls that had to be looked at and to see if they were not only good-looking, but they had to be young virgins. Now, this was very important to the king. 
Then, after they sorted and sorted and sorted, can you imagine what a job that is? Because every man's eye, beauty, is different. And yet, they had to look in the eyes of the king. What would the king consider a beautiful young lady? Now, that's a tremendous responsibility for anybody. But these men did this, and they brought the young virgins in. And not only that, but they had to keep those young virgins for one year. In the Song of Solomon, I'm just going to quote chapter 4, verse 7. It says, Thou art all fair, my beloved, and there is no spot in thee. There could be absolutely no spot in any of these young ladies. As a virgin, she must be pure in body. She must have taken of no illicit sex, and she must not have one deformity. She must be pure in mind, and therefore she could have no drugs or alcohol or filthy thought patterns. Now, we can't help what comes in our mind, but honey, we can keep them from growing and making a garden in our mind. Because we hear these words when we go out into the world and we work. And you can't even go grocery shopping a lot of times without you hear a lot of filthy words. And you dismiss them as quickly as possible. But if you let them grow in your mind, your thought pattern is going to start staying upon this. And the first thing you know, what's in your mind is going to come out your mouth. And that's going to be pretty rough on a Christian. You'll have to repent real hard. You'll have to repent anyway. Praise God. Pure in deed and pure in actions. She can't be violent, she can't be cruel, and she can't be a cheater. She had to be pure in speech. There was no cursing, no lies, no gossip, and no false accusations. And I made a mental note back here because one time I was talking to a young girl about being a virgin, and she says, But Sister Hosclaw, doesn't boys have to be virgins too? And you know, I don't read anywhere in the scripture where Jesus wasn't a virgin. Let that go where it's at, okay? You can review Jesus' life and see if you can check me out. But let's look at it this way. Just as these pure young virgins were to be all of these things, so is the church. So is God's church. And down through the ages of time, God has sent First, he sent prophets, Moses. Let me say it this way. He sent Moses and leaders out. And then he sent the prophets. He had the judges. And all of these men went out. And not one of them could find a fair young virgin. They thought they had. Many times they thought they had found a people that God could hold on to and say, Hey, this is my bride. This is my love. But then they always turned around and they, they defiled their flesh some way. They defiled their self some way. But then, well, let me not get ahead of my story, okay? Okay, Esther, after she had been chosen from numerous girls, and that's in chapter 2, she was chosen, but then there had to be another choosing come forth, and that had to be from the king himself. So, you know, this is a pretty particular spot. We church people are in. God's church is in. We have to prepare ourselves. We're chosen for God. We're called of God to come into the assembly. And then after we're called of God, then we have to get ourselves all beautified, all purified. And this is a wonderful part of it. 
God provides this. Just as it was provided for Esther. Esther was placed in uh, Hegei's custody. And this is where the protector comes in. Hegei was her protector. He had to watch her. He watched her like a hawk. Because this was not his possession. This was his king's possession. And he was responsible. He was responsible for her food. He was responsible for her counsel. He was responsible for just to watch her and to make sure that she was raised and taught that the king had his priorities and we are to obey. She had to be in the king's priority. If she would have walked in there, like some of the girls you see today, you know, they walk in a place that's kind of sanctimonious and they had bubble gum on this side and her hair sticking out that way and uh, skirt up one side and, and sock down the other way. You've seen them. We've, we've all been shopping and saw that kind of a girl. That wouldn't be apropos at all. But Hegei had to teach her how to walk, how to talk, how to conduct herself, and how to be a queen because he wanted her to be the queen. She was in his custody. She was under his protection. And if one thing went wrong, he would answer for it except for one thing, and that is if she refused. If she refused to take care of herself, if she refused to watch what she ate, and instead of being this trim young girl they brought into the court, if she got herself fat and sloppy, the king wouldn't want this, and he would put her out. If she refused to learn the laws of the land so she'd make a real good queen, and she would know that at the king's council and the king bidding her to come into his chambers, and if she says, no, I don't, like Vashti did, she would be put out. So God has his rules and his regulations for us to learn tonight. And I think that's pretty great the way God does it because he's so wonderful with us. Esther was purified for one year. She was given oils and ointments, and Hegei prepared her in every way to meet the king. He left nothing uncovered. She, she had the right diet and the right counseling and the right watching because if she had tried to sneak out and meet a boyfriend over the fence, that would have been the end of it. Okay? Keep up with me because I'm going to come put it all together in a minute. In Jesus' day, it was a custom for the friends and the family to help the young men find a girl. And if the young man saw this girl, or the people brought him in, the young man observed her, and he liked what he saw, he began to court her. Now, this is in Jesus' day. And reading on the customs at that time, this is what I found. If he liked her and he courted her, and then he won her love... Then he backed off a little bit and he put her under the care of a protector also. And this friend was to watch over. And if the girl dared to stick her head outside the tent and look at another young man going by, the friend, the protector, could say, you're not worthy of my master. You're not worthy of my friend. And he could send this girl off, but he had to go find another. 
See, it was basically like it was in Esther's time. Esther was chosen queen because she did all the right things. She conducted herself properly and found favor with the king. Esther's a beautiful story. If you haven't read it in a long time, go back and read it. But right now, let's leave Esther where she's at with her king. And she's already been chosen queen for him. I'll tell you that much. That's the end of the story. No, that's, I read the end of the book of Esther. Okay? Now, when this young man went away, before, just before he went away, they became engaged, as we would call it today. And that means espoused. And this is where the young girl took his name. Now, they didn't come together as a married couple, but they were engaged. Okay? And then he goes away, and this young man begins to watch after her and take care of her and protect her. Do you remember how Joseph was a spouse to Mary? That always confused me. I thought, you know, that he was married to her because she was there. She had his name and all of this. I thought she was married to him until I began to read about these customs, and I found that's not so. They had not come together yet. She still lived with her parents or somebody else with the protector that took care of her. This young lady was not to be defiled or marred in any way during this probation or waiting period. She was come to the king and she was to be a fair, pure young bride. Now, let's get where I was headed for and I hope we can get this straight. God wants... And he desires a bride. And he's going to have himself a bride. Adam and Eve failed him. And the people before the flood, they were unfaithful. Remember, it says they intermarried and they were drunkards and all of this. This is why I gave you Genesis chapter 6 verses 1 through 7. And in verse 5 it said, And God saw that the wickedness of man was great in all the earth, and that every imagination, every thought pattern of the people, their hearts was only evil continually. Then the children of Israel failed God, remember? Okay? And generation after generation failed God, and there was 400 years of silence. There wasn't even anybody attempting to find a bride for God. And then Jesus. John the Baptist came, and he had six months' head start on the bridegroom. He was looking for a bride for Jesus, for God. And when he found her, he said, Behold, the Lamb of God. He presented the Lamb of God to the people. And that was the presentation. For three years and a half, Jesus Christ wooed the people. He healed them. He fed them. Remember? He loved them. He went out of his way to do everything for the people that could possibly be. Now we read where some followed him strictly for the loaves and the fishes. But we also know there were some that loved him dearly and deeply. Lazarus and Mary and Martha. And you can just name them different ones that really loved him. And there was others probably that we don't even know their name, but they loved him. And this was the wooing part. 
And then he says, I'm going to take her as my bride. And then he died for us. And after he died for us, remember he sent the Holy Spirit back for us. He is our protector. The Holy Spirit is our watcher now. He watches over us, and he protects us, and he leads us, and he guides us. And he also counsels us and says, hey, you're getting too far out of line. Your king's not going to like that. So pull yourself back over. Get yourself straightened out. Have you ever started to do something just on the verge of doing something that after you thought about it was wrong, but right at that instant you didn't think about it? And then there was something clicked in your mind and checked you with that. And you thought, oh, God, I don't want to do that. That would hurt. That would be a sin. That would offend God. And then you stop it. See, that's the Holy Spirit. But when you were baptized, whose name did you take? Isn't that glorious? You took his name. You were a spouse to him. Isn't that fantastic? Now look, he didn't just send the Holy Ghost back and to take care of us. And we haven't just got his name and we're not just carrying his family name, which is Jesus. He also sent us some helps. Remember, Esther had servants come in to help. Remember? And when she had these servants come in to help, God's not, he's not going to short us any. He's not going to short us one bit. But look what he did. He sent us servants also. He sent us servants also. And I want to get to that because I just, well, I got some notes, but it's hard to go by them because I want to get to it and tell you the good parts. <laughs> but to build up to it and get it to it. After you get over 50, you have to have notes. <laughs> okay. He's come, and, and God's gave us servants. And can you guess who those servants are to help us, to perfect us? Sure. Apostles and prophets and teachers and pastors and evangelists. They come to us, and they help us, and they teach us. Each one has their specific job and their specific purpose in the church. And what did the scripture say? The scripture says they were for the perfecting of the saints are the maturing of the saints. And that's what they're there for. And when we have one of those in our midst, we're supposed to listen to them and glean from them. And I'll tell you one thing. Maybe right then you don't need their message. But you put it in your heart. You get it in this computer space, in your mind. And you go on walking down the road, and it isn't too long before something happens, and you think, oh, I remember someone preached on that. And you quickly go evaluate what's going on. And you say, that's it. That's the answer. Now I know which direction to go. Now I know what to do. Because God has sent us these servants to take care of us and to perfect us. Oh, I tell you, that thrills me tonight. Because I know now my Lord loves me so much. He not only gave me the baptism of the Holy Ghost, which is a wonderful, fantastic, well, it's, there's nothing like it in the world. But he sent helps along. And this is marvelous. 
He sent a man along. We can't see the Holy Spirit. We feel it. But he sent a man and a woman along to minister to us and to help us along the way and to tell us, no, you don't go here. You don't go there. You walk this way and you hold yourself erect. You keep a perfect diet. Don't go overboard now eating desserts. Sister Val's brought us some of the best desserts. I'll tell you, it's tremendous. And um, sorry about that, but I just went overboard on them. It was really good. But God says to take the whole word of God and to go across with it. You've got daily living that you've got to be very, very careful with. And then you've got living whenever you're out in public. You know you've got several faces. You've got a home face. You've got a public face. You've got a mother face. You've got a a father face. Uh, Whatever you are, you're a different person because you're ministering in different areas. And when you come to church, you're a saint. You don't come to church like you go at home. Because I know I'm a homemaker. And there's times I lose my temper at home, but I wouldn't dare lose my temper in church. I wouldn't dare. that Somebody would think I was the ugliest person ever was. So I'm on my very best behavior in church. But when you're home, you can kick your shoes off. And you can grump. Don't kick the dog. Please don't kick the dog. Because he bites the child and et cetera and et cetera, and it comes right back and you get kicked again. So don't kick the dog when you get angry. Besides that, Sister Val is going to get you. Tonight's my night to pick on Sister Val. So she'll get you if you kick your dog. <laughs> but the thing of it is keep a balanced diet in spirituality. Don't go overboard on the deep end for one thing and leave off the other. Because this makes a very poor nutrition Any nutritionist tells you you have to have a balanced diet. All of you were taught that in school. When you had health classes, they talked to you about your diet. So is this. So we need the apostles, we need the prophets, we need the teachers, we need the pastors, and we need the evangelists. And I have seen people go, excuse the expression, they go ape over certain evangelists. I know a pastor's wife that she says, Oh, when that man comes on, I can't stand it. Well, she's gone ape over an evangelist. I don't know if she hears what he says, but she's gone ape over his good looks. And uh, we don't need to do that. We're not supposed to go after personalities, but we're supposed to go for the word of God. And the word of God is what sustains us and what keeps us in line and what blesses us and makes us purified and ready to go into the kingdom when the king comes. However you want to say it, you get ready for the king. And then you know he not only did this with those, but it also says others were sent to help. In 1 Corinthians 12 and 27, there is a government ministries. Did you know whoever formed your bylaws was in the government ministries? Because they want to keep this church right in the doctrine of God. And so they make up your bylaws. Whoever sits up the form of the service, did you know that's a portion of government? Your song leader is ministering to you, and this is because he is in authority at the time he stands up here. And you don't argue with the song leader on what he's going to sing, but 
he's here. And that's the way with the organist. You don't tell the organ how to play, the organist how to play, or the pianist how to play. But the thing of it is, they're in your governments. And they teach you how to be honest and fair and have good judgments. Now, you get a song leader that gets up here and sings uh, funeral songs all the time. There's no way you're going to have a revival. And just the same as when the Spirit of God wants to hover over you and give you a deep, deep service and let the, the Holy Ghost just, just move, then he will sing songs that are pertinent to this and have good judgment. And you've got a very good song leader. I appreciate what he's done. And then you get the ministry of helps, which lends a helping hand if you're down. It, it helps you to get up. And then there's the ministry of miracles. And I kind of like to say it this way. The ministry of miracles is like vitamins and encouragement. Did you ever notice whenever there's a miracle in your midst, everybody gets up? And I mean they get that super burst of speed. It's like you took some pep pills when there's a miracle in your midst. And I like that ministry too. But again, don't go overboard on all miracles. Keep your level diet. Keep a balanced diet with that. And the gifts of healings. That's self-explanatory because we really need this. Because there's natural wounds and there's spiritual wounds. And all of these need to be taken care of. And then... There's things like mental sickness. Did you ever think of that? That needs a gift of healing on the mental illnesses? Then there's diversities of tongues, which is exercise and strength to us and teach us to let God use even the most unruly member of our body, which is our tongue. How about that? How many of you has got the Holy Ghost ruling your tongue? Ah, well, I can, let me do it this way, half time, <laughs> because it does. And God also gives the church some other things now. Remember, she got the oil and the ointment to purify. God gave us some things like this, too, which is the gifts of the fruits of the Spirit. In Galatians 5, 22 and 23, see, here God's ministering to us. He's giving us love and joy, and peace, and long-suffering, and goodness, and faithfulness, and meekness, and temperance, and gentleness. Because all of this a queen has to have. And someday you will be queen of God's kingdom. We'll be his bride. Won't that be terrific? And we have to have these attributes. And we have to work on them. Because some of us by nature are not a loving people. And some of us by nature aren't gentle. But we have to work on this. And when we work on it, the Holy Spirit helps us. And here comes the prophets and the teachers and the evangelists in and the uh, pastors. And all of these come in and they begin to tell us, come on now, let's have some more love. We need love and joy and peace and long-suffering. Long-suffering. How many has got a short fuse tonight? We need to pray then for more long-suffering. That we can be patient and tolerant when all these things come about that's upsetting to us. That we can go ahead and let that take care and give us long-suffering to love and to have God to work with us. And then the next one comes is Corinthians 12, 8 through 10. And that's the gifts of the Spirit, which is the word of wisdom, the word of knowledge and faith and gifts of healing 
and miracles and prophecies and discernment of tongues and divers kinds of tongues and interpretation of tongues. Do you ever notice how many of the tongues is involved in that? Again, it's the unruly member. And we have to be very careful. And God wants that thing tamed. He wants it controlled. And there's so many of the gifts that pertain to the tongue. And we have to be careful. Because Satan can use that that fast. And if we don't stop and use what they taught us in school, you put your brain in gear before you open your mouth. And if you don't do that, then you can really cause harm. And when you get to be the king or the queen and you're in the bride, the king doesn't want a sharp-tongued queen. He wants somebody that's loving and kind and has wisdom and all knowledge and understanding. Can you just fathom yourself today? Just... Just getting all prepared. Let's just say, hey, we've made it. And all of a sudden, the trumpets begin to blast. And it's time. It's time. Are we ready? Have you learned? Has the Holy Spirit done its job well? Has our servants dressed us well as they should have dressed us? It's time. Oh my goodness, is my hair straight? Have I got my dress on right? Is it white? Have I gained weight? Have I got a spot? Have I got a blemish? In the meantime, have I, have I got a deformity of any kind? Oh, why didn't I get that off? Why didn't I get that off? Do I have time? Is it still time? Oh, I don't know. I'm reminded of people that thought they had plenty of time and they didn't take any oil in their lamps. Five wise and five foolish virgins. I'm reminded of those girls. And I'm reminded how hard it was for the five wise to say, no, you can't take any of my oil now. I'm going to need it all. And the foolish thought... I'll have time. I'll have time. I'll run. I'll go get what I need. I'll talk to the prophets. I'll talk to the apostles. I'll talk to the teachers. I'll talk to the pastors and the evangelists. I'll get that. I'll get that. I'll get that. But when they got there, there was none. The helps ministry had all gone. The government's ministry They weren't there anymore. It wasn't their time to minister anymore. The bridegroom was coming. They now had to go forth and meet him and bring him to the bride. It was their job. These servants, these protectors, for a moment left to go get the king and bring him in. And this is what we have to expect. This is why it's so important that everything we are taught, everything Brother and Sister Sass has taught you, every sin in your life, anything that might cumber you down and weight you down, shake it off. Shake it off. Get it off. Right then. Because if you don't, what happens is you begin to pile it on and pile it on. As Sister Sass and I were talking the other day, it's kind of like putting dirt under a rug 
And then when it comes spring house cleaning, you've not only got to clean the carpet, but you've got to clean under it too. So let's get rid of every weight that doth so easily beset us and turn us away. And remember, God did send us helps. He has sent someone to show us how to go. But you know, he didn't leave us right then either. With all these gifts and with the fruits of the Spirit and the um, gifts of the Spirit and the fruits of the Spirit and the apostles and, and uh, all the helps ministries and all of these, that isn't all he gave us. See, while we're waiting for the bridegroom, don't get bored. Don't get bored. Many times when you're waiting for your wedding day to get here, you get bored right at the last minute because everything seems to be prepared and done and, and you've got the invitation sent out and, and the caterers are all taken care of and the flowers are all taken care of and I've got my hair appointment and all of this and, and you just, this is what you do. I know, I went through it and I went through it with three daughters and a foster daughter. And they said, have I got it all taken care of? Is everything ready? But then, God gave us the road map. He gave us the book. And we can read the book. And we can follow the book. And when the prophets come in, and the apostles come in, and the teachers come in, to be sure, read it in the book. Be sure what they're saying to you is in the book. Because there is enemies that comes in unaware and tries to deceive. They pretend they're the friends of the king, of the bridegroom. And then you've got to watch for that. It's in the book. People, there's no reason why we can't make heaven our home. If we get a determination within our heart and within our life... We can, like Queen Esther, we can be queen. We don't have to settle for second best. We don't have to be concubines. See, there was concubines in that king too, in that kingdom too. Those that were not chosen to be queen were concubines. We don't have to be that. We don't have to. What we can be is the queen. And I want that. I want that more than anything else in the world. I want to see you in the kingdom. I want to see you dressed as the bride. Because the Holy Spirit of God's come down and led you and guide you and protected you and shielded you from all things. And then all these servants took care of you. And I praise God for every one of you tonight. And I get excited. And I can't follow my notes. And I'll have to ask you to forgive me for that. But I hope you feel what I feel inside. And when the Lord was working with me on this, oh, about a week or so ago, when we knew we was coming, I thought, God, i got to have something special for them. They're special people. And this is what he gave me. And this is what is so fantastic. is because I feel it for all of you. That you want to make it too. Amen. And maybe maybe I've said something that opened up a way a little bit. And they give you a little more of an insight. 
It is so hard sometimes. Satan sneaks in so many things it's not right. But we don't have to be fooled. We've got this, and we've got the Holy Ghost, and we've got the apostles and the prophets and all of those. I can't say that enough because I'm so happy. They're our servants. They're not our Lord and Masters. They're our servants. And they're here for one purpose, and that's to get us ready for the King. Isn't that terrific? Well, I didn't keep you as long as I thought I was going to tonight because I skipped half of my notes and come right on to the point. But I get excited about this. I get excited about Jesus' return. And I want to be ready. How many wants to be ready tonight? How many? Isn't it a thrilling thing? The wedding day is getting closer and closer and closer and closer. And you better not sit down on your seat and do nothing because that's the easiest way to get a wrinkle in the back of your clothes. Do you ever know that? So when the scripture says be up and about your father's business, he means that because if you're up and about your father's business, you're not going to get wrinkled. I never saw a bride after she put on her wedding dress sit down. Did you? Stop to think about it. You never saw them sit down because they didn't want that dress wrinkled. And I don't want mine wrinkled either. I want to be ready. Oh, I can't say that enough. I want to be ready for my king. I want to be ready when the bridegroom sounds. And a little game I like to play, and I know it's a child's game, but I like to say, Jesus, you're coming in the morning. And I've got to get ready. I've got to get ready. And boy, I pray all night long. And it's a wonderful prayer meeting because I don't leave anything undone. I don't leave any stone unturned. I want to be ready. I can't hardly get out of here. I want to be ready. I want them to be ready. (laughs) Oh, it's just beautiful. 